Welcome to another episode of Code for Thought. With 788 speakers, 781 events and 63 different tracks, FOSTEM, the Free and Open Source Developers European Meeting, is truly back with a vengeance. At the time of recording, FOSTEM 2023 is scheduled for the 4th and 5th of February at the Université Libre in the Belgian capital Brussels. It's an extraordinary conference. There's no registration, no fees to be paid. You just show up as and when you wish and dive straight into one of the many talks and discussions. As a consequence, FOSTEM depends entirely on donations, sponsorships and the goodwill, hard work and free time of an army of volunteers. The event's been running since 2000 and after a brief interlude due to COVID-19, it is being held once again in person. In perhaps more than a passing nod to the pandemic years, however, some events were marked online only, everything is recorded, live streams are available, and you can watch the presentations afterwards at your own leisure. It was just the week before Foston that an ex-colleague of mine from Mendeley, Carlis, mentioned it to me and asked whether I would be going. The truth is, I've never been to Foston. And I wasn't quite sure what to expect. But there's only one way to find out, really. And without further ado, I booked a return ticket on the Eurostar for Saturday, the 4th of February, the first day of the conference. The train wouldn't arrive in Brussels before 11am, so I missed the first few sessions. Luckily, a number of presentations that I wanted to go to and that I bookmarked were happening on Saturday afternoon. And one more thing before I dive in. This isn't only the first time at Fostum, it's also the first time that I'll be reporting from a conference, so there might be a few hiccups on the way. But here now my report on Fostum. I'm here in Brussels. It's a wet, rainy and grim winter day. But I'm here at the U building, one of the many buildings where the conference takes place, and I'm about to go up to one of the sessions, which is on European open source, uh, is that a thing? And then to the Open Research Tool Development Group, one of the many groups that is running. After the first talk, which was really rather an open discussion, I had a chance to talk to Gael Blondel, who is the Chief Membership Officer of the Eclipse Foundation. Thanks very much for the very interesting talk about European open source software. Yeah. Uh, just a quick introduction from you. you are so I'm Gael Blondel, I'm the Chief Membership Officer of the Eclipse Foundation, uh, which is a foundation that redomiciled uh, its legal registrations to Brussels uh, two years ago. And so we are now a um, um, Europe-based Europe -based, uh, open source foundation, hosting code in Europe, uh, but we are also a global organization. So one of my topics today was definitely about no, there should not be something about European open source. There should be something about uh, how do we do better open source in Europe? How do we engage better with open source uh, with European individuals, European universities, European companies, European everything? Okay, and including funding, or how does the funding including actually go to the developers? Including funding, and how can we make this funding more effective about open source when people say that they will do open source that they d just don't publish uh, software that will not live 
but yeah. that they really define an open source strategy about how to do sustainable open source, how to join potentially an existing an existing organization, how to join an existing project. That's what I think. We, that's where I think we need to do better. Okay. Well, thanks very much, Gael. You're welcome. Enjoy the show. Thank okay. you. Okay, straight after that, I walked down to the fourth floor in the U building to join the Open Research Tool developer room to hear a presentation how open source tools can help tackling disinformation. And since this presentation was just before the lunch break, it was a perfect opportunity to gather my thoughts and give you some first impressions. That was Gail Blundell from Eclipse, as you've just heard. I think that was a quite an interesting talk, if only a little bit confusing, at least for me at the beginning, because I wasn't quite sure how they would define European open source software, given the fact that open source software should not be confined to national boundaries, or that's at least what I think. But as he explained, it's quite important that open source software projects get funded properly that the funding actually gets to the right place and his colleague from and i need to look this up now again uh, alberto from open nebula which i believe is a cloud uh, project i've heard about that and he uh, said that it's also a little bit about protection protection from multinationals who might just eat any kind of initiatives that comes out of europe and his concern was really how can you protect that? Okay, that was one talk. Uh, the other one was about um, disinformation. Not misinformation, but disinformation. And I thought that was quite interesting as well. Somebody from Hervé, he's from OpenFacto. And uh, he introduced us first to the concept of how do you detect and uh, handle disinformation. So, uh, just as an upshot, so disinformation is really the deliberate attempt to spread wrong information, being fully aware that what you do is actually wrong or factually wrong or otherwise. Um, as opposed to misinformation where the author of the misinformation or the spreader of the misinformation actually believes that to be true. I think that's quite an important distinction to make. He pointed out and he took an example of a French misinformation disinformation, sorry, a French disinformation site called Cactus, with a Q, which is kind of the French version possibly of QAnon. And the interesting there, thing there was that uh, they use a lot of open source software. And you might wonder why that is. I mean, uh, they're journalists, they're not particularly techie. So why would they do that? Well, first of all, there's a money question, because journalists and NGOs don't have a lot of money, and uh, commercial software comes with a lot of expensive licenses, but also because very often uh, the work that they do happens on several computers, so it becomes not only a question of buying one license, but actually several, and maybe they have to use a computer where there's no license installed at all. So open source software really helps them. So he's quite a big fan of that, uh, and he, I think, gave a very excellent presentation. He was asked, in the end, what he thinks about ChatGBT um, and from OpenAI, uh, because there's a lot of concern around that, of course. How much disinformation can we expect from that? He says, he says in his response that actually they don't see much of it now, or any of it, in fact, 
but he would expect that doesn't take too long for it to emerge and uh, he got a very weird question which I think everybody in the room nobody said anything but maybe we should have he was asked if he's Jewish and I thought this was just bizarre uh, and I don't know why that person asked that question but uh, there you go anyway so um, that's uh, the two presentations that I went to and I'm now it's lunchtime and I'm now trying to find the people that are supposed to be here okay talk to you soon well, there certainly is no shortage of supply in terms of food and drink. There were plenty of food trucks on campus. And while walking around, I bumped into a number of people I knew, which, of course, is one of the reasons of going to conferences like this. The first one was Graham Lee, who some of you may remember or know from the Research Software Engineering Conference in Newcastle last year, 2022. Hi, Graham. Nice to see you again. Yeah, good to see you. Thank we're you. here in Brussels. And what brings you here? FOSDEM, the Free Open Source Developers European Meeting. Have you seen any interesting talks? Uh, yes, I went to a talk on Asahi Linux, which is Linux for the um, Apple Silicon. I went to one on web authentication. Uh, so yeah, it's been an interesting morning. Okay, so what are you going up to next? Oh, I, I, I don't know. I'm having a look around the booths at the moment, seeing who's here, seeing what projects there are. Yeah, well, it's kind of difficult to find people because it's spread over the campus. How many times have you been to FOSDEM before? Uh, I started coming in 2007, so I've been quite, early, quite a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, you're, you're religious, you're coming <laughs> exactly, every year. I'm, 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 exactly, yeah, this is, this is my pilgrimage. Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, enjoy the show then. Thank you, you too. In addition to a large number of talks and presentation, Fostem also brings you in touch with organizations and companies that produce open source software. The room, for instance, that I met Graham in was all about robotics and embedded software and operating systems. Talking of operating systems, they of course were present too, the various different Linux versions, as well as of course FreeBSD, which is what I used during my days at uni. In one of the other buildings, I stumbled upon Nextcloud. Nextcloud is a cloud service and I found it quite refreshing because when we think of cloud, we of course think of all the big players. So I was quite pleased to talk to the people at Nextcloud and how the conference is going for them. Right, okay, I'm here at Nextcloud Hub and I'm with me are uh, the team from Nextcloud called Nimisha and Daphne and Alpha. And uh, I just want to find out a little bit more about Nextcloud because there are quite a number of commercial cloud services out there. And what is Nextcloud and how would you explain that to people? I mean, it's I would best explain it as maybe like an open source file sharing, collaboration and productivity platform. So if you're using Google Drive, Google products or Microsoft products, this is kind of an open source self-hosted alternative to that basically. So you have, you can host your files on it, you can post your photos, there's mail, calendar, contacts, everything. So you could just use Nextcloud for pretty much managing your entire like personal files, all of that. Alright, uh, is it anyhow different because when you go to Dropbox uh, or Google Drive, you have you see one Google Drive front. Is that the same experience you get on Nextcloud? Well, hopefully the experience is smooth. I mean, um, but yeah, I mean, for as as far as file sharing goes, especially open source alternatives, I think we're doing pretty okay. Um, I think it's a good experience. It's 
moving from Google Drive to Nextcloud has been reported to us has been being pretty okay and pretty nice actually. So yeah, um, moving away from uh, you know Google and Microsoft products to Nextcloud is I think it's 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 pretty intuitive because we try to follow general good design and yeah. since Google follows good design, we also try to follow. Um, uh, just general good design principles, honestly. Alright, okay. Yeah. So how's it going so far, the conference, for you? It's very busy. I love it, meeting so many cool people. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, all the best to you. Yeah, thank you. With lunch being over, it was time again for more presentations in the open research tool DevRoom, one of the many DevRooms at the conference. Having worked in scientific publishing before, I was very pleased to join a presentation on executable journals in humanities. It was given by Daniel Guido and Elizabeth Guerrard, and I hope I pronounced the names right. As you might expect, Jupyter Notebooks play an important part in this. Daniel and Elizabeth worked with the publisher De Greuter to fund a journal for digital historians. Another interesting talk, just before that one, was called Web Mapping and Massive Statistical Data, a Democratization Story, given by Etienne Com from France. And as with all talks from FOSDEM, you can look them up at the website and watch the videos and listen to the presentations again. And with that, it was almost time to catch the train back to London, but before I went to the train station, I caught up with Victor and Thibaut to have a chat how they're getting on with the conference. Hi, I'm Peter. <laughs> <laughs> how, who are you? I am good, I'm Victor. Uh, you're Victor. Which, uh, which organization are you in? Uh, so I'm in a company uh, based nearby Oxford. Um, oh, right, okay. Yeah. So what brought you to? Uh, um, I was there three years ago for the 2020 edition. Right. I missed it dearly during the pandemic. Was this the first one since the pandemic? Yes, face it is. Face to face? Yeah, 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 it is. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. I have a background as a researcher in physics. Mm. So open research uh, and open tools are very dear to me. So I'm just really happy to be able to expand uh, my knowledge about all the different projects that are scattered around. Okay. So any interesting talks you went to so far? or? There was this morning uh, a talk called The Under-Equipped Social Scientists. Ah, right, yeah. Yeah, I missed that. I came too late, actually. <laughs> it was really good about yeah. how, how to bridge um, scientific programming and mm. social research in, in social studies with a very RSC um, method, I would say. Which is? <laughs> Building things that will empower users mm. and uh, as a way to advocate for tools and best practices. Well, that was Victor, and now on to Thibaut, who's got some very good advice how to deal with a large number of dev rooms and presentations at FOSDEM. I, I find that some of the dev rooms are quite nice to go and sit in a corner and just sort of like listen to people talk about things that you don't know anything about. Yeah, yeah, but I think you probably have to focus a little bit <coughs> because there's so many dev rooms. Yeah, right. yeah so I think uh, a, a, good, a, good, a good advice that actually I've been a few years ago well it was you know don't try and and jump from one place to another stay in one of like one place for two three talks and then yeah. mm. but also look you know walking around there's also uh, maybe one of the biggest part of the conference is uh, walking around just bumping into and network 
having chats. Network, which is you know just having. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's 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 a weekend, right? So we can. It is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we can also just have a coffee and talk about being being nerds and then. <laughs> Indeed. And then and there's then the, no shame. The, there's zero shame. <laughs> and then all of the talks are recorded, and there's no risk that there will be no one to watch them because you know all the rooms are um, you know, packed. And some of the rooms were indeed packed. Some of them had queues a mile long for people trying to get in. But as mentioned a few times now, all the sessions are recorded, so you don't need to have fear of missing out. You can all listen to it later and watch it at your own time and leisure. And with the first and only conference day coming to an end for me now, I wanted to share some final thoughts with you. Covering a conference like Fostum is almost impossible. As an individual, you can't possibly get to all the sessions, and ultimately this report must remain a tiny snapshot. Fostem is massive. Before I went, some people I talked to made a point that it could be at times chaotic. And in fact, before the start of the event, the organizers themselves called for volunteers under the banner of Conquer the Chaos. As for me personally, chaotic is definitely not the way I would describe it. It's a sign of a pretty efficient organization to pull off an event with as many tracks and presentations as theirs, not knowing how many will attend, except that the number can be expected to be pretty large. Details on where to find the talks and tracks were clearly marked. Sessions, at least the ones I attended, started and ended on time, and volunteers did a fantastic job to keep the whole event on track and safe. So hats off to them and the organizers. So chaotic it is definitely not. However, this being my first time, I found Fostum to be rather overwhelming, as well as a little bit disorienting. The breadth and width of different areas covered makes it really hard to decide which one to focus on. And so I made the decision to focus mainly on one of the developer rooms and resist the temptation to go developer room hopping. The event is just too big for that. So if you plan to go to the next Fostum, check the list of tracks speakers and make a selection before the event. And if you plan to meet colleagues or people, you know it really helps to arrange for some check-in points ahead of time. Yes, I know the campus is not very big, but it's really easy to get lost with a huge amount of people around. The short and sweet is, a little bit of advanced prep will go a long way to get the most out of FOSDEM, or any conference for that matter. And so I would like to end my report on FOSDEM by going back to the first talk that I went to. European open source, is it a thing? Gail Blondell and his co-presenter Alberto Marti spoke of the open source community in Europe. It's growing pain, and that's despite there's an increase in recognition. And there's one line from Gael that I think stuck with me. Open source is not just putting your code into a public GitHub repo and get a green checkmark. For open source software to be successful and have an impact, you'd need to build, grow and maintain a community. You need to provide governance of its use and a framework for its distribution and maintenance. And this throws me back to a presentation I heard last year when I listened to Richard Stallman from the Free Software Foundation. Contrasting free software with open source Richard Stallman framed free software in a wider and political context while limiting open source to more or less technical aspects. But I tend to agree with Gael. Open source is, or at least can be, far more than that. 
In addition to a large number of individual contributors, we have an increasing number of organizations and companies built with open source software and tools. This in return has an impact on policy and economic decisions. Maybe not as fast and far-reaching as some would hope, but both Gael and Alberta acknowledge that open source is making its way into more and more boardrooms. It'll be interesting to see how the open source ecosystem and community will evolve in future, not only here in Europe. What this means for FOSDEM remains to be seen. Will it remain the free-for-all multifaceted event that it is today? Or will it narrow its focus? Who's to say? And with that, we can look forward to the next FOSDEM in 2024. Oh, time's up. See you next time. But before I forget, this podcast is covered by the Creative Commons license. See ya.